Blog Talk Radio. Well, good good Thursday afternoon, and welcome to the Success Design. I'm your host, Beth Schenkel Anderson, and I'm coming you to I'm coming to you today, as always, through Blog Talk Radio. Thank you so much for joining me for today's show. It's going to be one of the best shows I've ever done uh, so far. I just know it. So I'm glad that you uh, were able to join me today, whether it's live or on the uh, on the uh, replay. Marilyn Monroe and Joe DiMaggio, both American icons, both married for less than a year in 1954. Have you ever wondered what courtship and marriage was like for Hollywood's most glamorous starlet and America's favorite baseball son? As we observe the 50th anniversary of the passing of Marilyn Monroe this month, today we're going to learn a whole lot more about this most fascinating couple. My guest is author Mary Jane Pop, who has written a book about their very secret t- marriage titled Marilyn, Joe, and Me. Joe DiMaggio never spoke publicly about his romance with Marilyn Monroe, but his niece, June DiMaggio, consulted with Mary Jane on the book and gave her a look at what the star couple's relationship was like from behind closed doors. The book talks about the romance from start to finish, including the death of Marilyn and how Joe handled it. So we have Mary Jane on the line now. So without further delay, let me introduce today's guest, author Mary Jane Pop. Welcome, Mary Jane. Nice to be with you, Beth. And yeah, you were so right. I mean, these were star-crossed lovers. How can I put it any other way? They were married a very short time, but truly never fell out of love with each other. And it was so funny. June and I, I got to tell you the story of how she and I met, because it's really a cute story. Back in 1980, I did my very first radio show. I'd come from television and fell into radio totally by accident. And uh, I did. I had an interview with a guy. I don't know if the name sounds familiar to you. His name is Bob Slater or was Bob Slatzer, and he wrote a book about Marilyn. Uh, he claimed that he had been married to Marilyn for like two and a half minutes and then had annulment done in, in Mexico. Mm-hmm. And after the show, I get this call from this disembodied voice, and she says, excuse me, that guy you just had on the show, he is full of baloney. And I said, well, excuse me, who the heck are you? And she said, well, I'm June DiMaggio, the niece of Joe DiMaggio. My mother and father, Tom and Louise, owned DiMaggio's Restaurant on Fisherman's Wharf in San Francisco, which they did till the mid-'80s, till they passed away. And that was since 1937, believe it or not. And she said, That's, that guy is just, he's full of it. And I said, well, will you come on the show and tell me your side of the story? So she did, but, you know, brief time on the air, right, Beth? And so over the years, we became friends, and she would tell me all these wonderful stories about Marilyn and what a gentle person she was, intelligent and generous and sensitive, and and that she wanted to be a dramatic actress. I mean, I heard so many wonderful stories. So toward the end of the life of Barbara Klein, now Barbara Klein was vocal coach to the stars, and she was June's uh, mentor, friend, uh, vocal coach, the whole nine yards. And at the end of her life, she said, June, you really need to put some of these stories down because they're all going to be lost. And I encouraged her after Barbara Klein passed away, uh, because she was a little bit older than than, uh, June, of course. And I said, June, Barbara was right. You know, God willing, you're going to live to be 110. But even if you do, those stories are all going to be gone when you're gone. And so she said, well, would you help me? And I said, well, Beth, uh, if anybody says, would you help me, really think twice, because (laughs) it took seven years. I went over there once a week because I was doing a daily show. It it takes time to do that. I had my own work to do. 
but I'd go over once a week and take notes and, and tape things, and then we had to go through the albums, and I mean, ugh unbelievable number of albums to pick out the pictures. I mean, we got 80 photos in the book, which it's unbelievable, most of which have never been seen or published before. And I heard stories not only about Marilyn and Joe, which is the primary, but uh, of other stars. I mean, June knew Ann Southern and Barbara Stanwyck and Jeanette McDonald and Hugh O'Brien worked with Carol Channing, all these wonderful people in old Hollywood that are all gone now, but they're still icons. And I wanted to find out about the people behind the icons. You know, with Marilyn, I don't know if you're a fan of Marilyn's or not. Are you? Absolutely. Okay. I was not a great fan of hers, to be honest with you. I, you know, I thought, beautiful woman, gorgeous on the screen, a comedian. But then I heard the stories from June, and I found out who the real Marilyn Monroe was. And completely different than what I thought. You know, that little teeny voice that she had, that was all put on. That was for the big screen. The wiggle was for the big screen. All that kind of stuff. That was for her publicity. And I learned these stories about this woman who was extremely intelligent. This was not a dummy. This woman could quote Emerson without a book. Uh, So many wonderful things that I could learn about these people, including Joe, And as you mentioned earlier in your opening, he had never given uh, an interview to a reporter, not in his, not during his uh, sports career, not after his sports career, not till his, not even at his death, never gave an interview. And when asked why, because June did, said, you know, Uncle Joe, why don't you talk to the reporters? He said, they'll either misquote me or they'll take it out of context. And he was a man who had great standards for himself. Um, his saying was, and this is through June, she said he would always say, a man without integrity is a man without worth. And when he would go to uh, DiMaggio's in San Francisco, and he did often, I mean, it was his brother's restaurant, and he would be in the bar area with his cronies, you know, and they'd be you know, talking sports, etc. He'd have a drink and, a, and smoke, they smoked at that time. If he saw a family come into the dining room, and they had a small child with them, he'd put the drink down, the smoke out, and go in and greet that child. And he said, I will go in and greet him the correct way because I am an idol to them. I have a standard to live up to. Now, isn't that the kind of, I wish we had that today. Absolutely. It seems like we have the opposite today. Um, I've always been a fan of Joe DiMaggio and and really respected his his choice not to want to disclose his own personal is his own personal um, dealings life. with with, with yeah. Marilyn Monroe and his life. I mean, yeah. it was it's his life to. Uh, but so many people are so curious, and uh, and you're right. It's um, it's uh, they were they were star-crossed lovers, and uh, and uh, it's a beautiful romance, and uh, it's a it's a really neat thing that you've done to uh, to bring to bring some of those stories. You know, um, Mr. DiMaggio being mar- uh, being married to her back in 1954, so long ago. Oh yeah. And- and now having been been passed away for um for about thirteen years now. Oh yeah, uh, thirteen years. And Marilyn can you believe that Marilyn has gone now fifty years? She died in sixty two, nineteen sixty two. And the thing is, they never fell out of love. Beth, mm-hmm. I'm telling you right now, through June's eyes, she knew uh that and Joe always loved her. He never married again. Uh she did, Arthur Miller, but uh he never married again. And on his deathbed to June, June said, Uncle Joe, you know, I, what do you say when a person's dying? You know, I, I feel for you. Please, Uncle Joe, are you okay? You know, that type of thing. And he said, no. He said, don't worry. He says, I'm going to see my Marilyn. I'm fine. 
Uh, you, you tell me if you ever fell out of love with her. When she had problems, when Arthur Miller uh, put her into the Payne Whitney uh, Institution in New York because he thought she was having a nervous breakdown, which I can't believe that he would even do something like that because her mother was institutionalized early on, and she was passed, you know, from foster home to foster home. Mm-hmm. And you would think that putting her in there, she would have been deathly afraid, thinking, though, you know, it was the same thing happening to me that happened to my mother. And so... When she got in there, who did she call? She called Joe. He was in Florida at the time, um, retired, of course. And she said, I, you know, I'm here, I'm scared, you know, whatever she said on the phone to him. Well, I mean, he took off from Florida. And I said, I think he flew up to, to New York without a plane. I mean, he got up there, walked into that institution, and he said, not you have my ex-wife here. He says, you have my wife here, and I want her out now. And he still had enough power, enough moxie, and carried that kind of weight in New York. They let her go. And he got her out of there, and she just needed some rest. She was exhausted. Uh, but any time that she needed some, she called Joe. She called Joe all the time to, to talk with him, et cetera. And this is the saddest part of the whole thing, Beth. And I know you will appreciate this as a woman, and I think anybody would appreciate it for that matter. The day that they that she was buried, August the 8th, was the day that she and Joe were going to be remarried. Is that sad or what? That's very sad. I've heard that story, and I'm glad that you confirmed it. Yeah, oh, it's confirmed. Because June saw her on the last day of her life. As a matter of fact, um, Marilyn had called June, and she used to love, she loved June's cooking. I mean, she would go over to see June and and Barbara Klein all the time when she was in Hollywood and have dinner on the weekends, etc. I mean, June knew her for 11 years. And uh, so on the last day, she called June and said, June, would you make me a pizza? She loved June's pizzas. And June said, you know, I've got a date with my boyfriend. I'm going to play tennis. She said, please, please. When she said, June said, you know, she could never refuse Marilyn because she was just so sweet. So she said, okay, okay, I'll make you a pizza and I'll bring it over. So she brought it over. It was around 11, 12 o'clock, some, you know, during the daytime. And Marilyn was so excited. She says, oh, Junie, I am so excited. Did you hear that that Joe and I are going to be remarried on August the 8th? And June says, yeah, I know the family already told me. And she said, that's great. And she said, I'm going down to Mexico with Louise, that's June's mother, uh, because she had become very close to, to June's mother, Louise, as a confidant, because she didn't have her own mother. She was like a surrogate mother to her. And she said, we're going down to Mexico to pick out some wrought iron furniture for our new patio, our new home in our patio. I mean, please, this woman was moving on. Three days before she died, uh, she had signed another contract to do another movie. Uh, her uh, production company, which was kind of... It was waning for a while. It was it was not doing too well. It was starting to pick up again. I mean, I think if she would have lived, she would have been the Oprah of her time because she was smart enough to do that. She was mm-hmm. also dedicated enough to do that. But she she was only 36 years old. I mean, she was just coming into her blossom, the beautiful blossom of her life. And I think she would have been happy. She would have been settled down with Joe. She could have had a family. I mean... So much could have happened, but, you know, we always say what could have been just was not meant to be. How did Joe meet Marilyn? Oh, that was kind of cute. It was actually Marilyn's uh, agent who got them together for dinner. And, you know, probably what normal agents do, they get publicity people together to all that kind of thing. Well, the funny thing about it is Marilyn didn't know who Joe DiMaggio was. (laughs) She didn't know anything about baseball. 
and she could care. I mean, she was in Hollywood. She was a Hollywood starlet, and that's all that concerned her. And I think that might, and this is my own opinion, I think that might have fascinated Joe because this wasn't somebody who goes, oh, you know, Joe DiMaggio, big big uh, sports star and all that. She liked him for who he was, not who he was on, you know, on the field. And I think he was fascinated with her. Unfortunately, he had been re- he retired from uh, baseball in 1951. That was the last World Series that he played in. So he was ready to settle down. And all he did after that, you know, the Mr. Coffee commercials, and, and he uh, did other, you know, book signing, not book signings, ball signings and memorabilia, that type of thing. So he was ready to settle down. Typical Italian man. Obviously, he wanted, you know, typical Italian girl. He had been married before, one other time, and he had one son by that marriage. But he was ready to settle down. Well, excuse me, Marilyn wasn't ready to settle down at that time. She was just peaking. She was just coming up into her own stardom at that time. So they were star-crossed. It just wasn't meant to be. The other thing is that the DiMaggio men had a tendency that when they got mad at you, they didn't yell and scream. What they did is they gave you the silent treatment. That drove Marilyn crazy. Absolutely nuts. On the other side, this was Joe DiMaggio, Italian guy, typical, you know, jealous Italian. I mean, it was the the straw that broke the camel's back when he was in New York and they shot that scene for a seven-year itch when Mm -hmm. she was on the grate and the dress blew up. Well, she was wearing kind of sheer underwear. And this, I don't blame her. You blame whoever the wardrobe was. But Joe was there. And, I mean, the crowd went bananas. Well, that made Joe furious. And believe it or not, that scene that was shot in New York on that grate, that never made it to the big screen. It was reshot in Hollywood because oh. of that, you know, malfunction. Now they would call it an apparel malfunction, you know, <laughs> but it was reshot. And but that didn't make it. Those things just started piling up on both sides, and they just were not able to to be together. But again, they never fell out of love. So so Marilyn really relied on Joe throughout her life and throughout oh, yeah. all the oh, different yeah. all the different things that she had to withstand. And uh, even in her death, you know, the funeral, uh, mm-hmm. I've got pictures in the book uh, of the funeral. And, I mean, Joe cordoned off. You could see the fans all cordoned off behind a fence and the media. Uh, there were no big, fat celebrities at that, that funeral because Joe basically said they disrespected her in life. I will not allow them to disrespect her in death. So, I mean, is that love or what? He took care of everything. His, the funeral, he arranged everything? Yes. Oh, Absolutely, wow. and I mean, that's it's so sad. I, when I think back to that, I, I keep thinking, I just wish they would have had the opportunity, you know, to be together again. But you know, June's told me stories about other people that she knew in Hollywood, these these big stars, and most all of them had very very sad lives. Uh, she said the only one in her life that she knew that didn't have a really sad life uh, was Jeanette McDonald. Uh, but she died very young. I think she was early 60s when she passed away uh, from a heart condition. And But she and her husband were just so close, and they were so in love. Um, but the problem is it's sometimes it's just not meant to be. And the strains of being a star and what they expect of you. And, I mean, she used to tell June stories when she'd come over for dinner. And she'd basically say, Junie, I want to take a shower first. I feel dirty. Now, We've got some of those stories in there. We try not to, 
you know, just always on top of that kind of situation. You know, we want to tell you about the Marilyn that June knew as a friend, as a dear friend, almost like a sister to her. They used to watch cartoons together. They used to go for walks together. They had wonderful times together. Those are the things we want to really emphasize in the book, and we did. And the same thing with Joe. Joe was a wonderful guy to June. Now, she didn't know him all the time. I mean, he was on the road. He was a star in baseball, uh, so he was on the road a lot. But he would come back for family functions, you know, Christmas, Easter, birthdays, that, that type of thing. Matter of fact, you'll love this. There is a picture in the book that is my absolute favorite of everything of, of the eighty. That one is my favorite. I think it's on page one forty six, if I remember right. Um, she, June, um, and Marilyn and Joe all were at the party for June's father, Tom. That's the one that owns uh, owned uh, DiMaggio's on Fisherman's Wharf. It was his birthday. This was just before they got married in January of 1954. And uh, Marilyn loved Now, you might think she was the skinny mini. She wasn't. She was Zoftic. <laughs> she was Zoftic. And she loved lasagna. Well, she ate a little bit too much lasagna. And she said to June, she said, June, I don't know what to do. I, I, I ate too much lasagna, and this two-way stretch girdle is killing me. I can't breathe. And June said, take the darn thing off. You're with family. Nobody cares what you look like. Take it off. Well, she did. And June and Marilyn, this shows the sense of humor that Marilyn had. She and June got together, and they conspired to get June's dad, Tom, who had had a few glasses of Italian wine by that time, and they used to call it having a toot on, and well, he did. And they got him to pull that girdle over his pants, and, I, and we've got the picture. June said she almost couldn't take it. She was laughing so hard. But here's Marilyn on one side, June's mother on the other side, and her father in the center with Marilyn's girdle on, all <laughs> laughing hysterically. <laughs> it's a beautiful, beautiful picture. Oh, so Marilyn had quite the sense of humor herself. Oh, she did. She did. But she was also sad. You know, she wasn't allowed to be what she wanted to be, Beth. She desperately wanted to be a dramatic actress. I mean, that was that was her whole dream in life, was to be a dramatic actress. Had she lived, I think she probably would have pulled it off, because she was good. Mm-hmm. She did one, one movie very early on, something when the caller knocks. I, I, I've got it in the book, but I can't remember right now the exact name. Early 50s. And then, of course, she did The Misfits. She was doggone good. And as a matter of fact, she wanted to be so desperately in the uh, movie The Brothers Cover Montsoff. And so June worked with her on a scene to take back to uh, 20th century. And she went in and auditioned for the big mucky mucks there. And after she got done, she waited, you know, anxiously, and they looked at her and they said, yeah, you're really good as a dramatic actress. But, you know, we've got our dramatic actresses. You're a sex goddess. End of story. They were making money on her. Why change? Mm. So what are some of the best-kept secrets about the about the about about their romance? Well, I think... Probably the best-kept secret of not only the romance but of their relationship, period, is that Marilyn did not commit suicide. Mm. Marilyn was murdered. And Mm. June's mother was on the phone with her when she was murdered. And she heard screams and she heard muffled sounds and she heard names. But in the old Italian fashion, she said, I will never tell because I want you to live. She would do the old thing, you know, take the fingers, put it up to uh, lips and, like, zip it like she's not going to tell. Right. And on her deathbed, June said, Mommy, you know, please tell me who, Mar- who murdered Marilyn. And she says, I will never tell you because I want you to live. And 
I, I did some research, and, and believe it or not, June has never revealed that till now, and until we have you know in the book, I had to really cajole her to tell that story in the book, because she was still, after all these years, deathly afraid to say anything to that effect. And I also did some research on my own uh, with a gentleman in Southern California, and I've got more of the details. I know we don't have time to go into it, but in details in the book. And he claims that he spoke to one of the two people who killed her. And I, I've got all the details in there as to how and all that kind of stuff. It's very, very sad. Uh, but June claims, and, and her mother claimed, that, yes, she was murdered. Now, I did talk with Thomas Noguchi. I don't know if that name sounds familiar to you. He was the coroner for Maryland. And as a matter of fact, he was the coroner to the stars. He wrote a book in 1984. Uh, and I had him on my show. This was very early on in, in my radio career. And I out and out asked him. I said, Tom, Mr. Noguchi, you know, did she commit suicide? Did she overdose or was she murdered? And he said, probable suicide. Well, excuse me, that's hedging your bet as far as I'm concerned. And I also got to meet um, the man who was his assistant when they did the autopsy. And this man claims that there was not enough drugs in her stomach to kill her. I don't, you know, overdose or suicide, neither one. And all of a sudden, all the tissue samples, blood samples, all those disappeared very mysteriously just shortly after her death. Excuse me? This, to me... You know, in my head is going, conspiracy, conspiracy, what's going on here? Uh, but they would never commit one way or the other. Now, I can't blame them either, Beth. They didn't have CSI back then. They didn't have DNA facts back then. They didn't have all this stuff. So, you know, even I, I, the pictures that I've got were taken by a man the morning after she was killed. And she was walking all over. He was walking, taking pictures through the window, took pictures. I've got it in the book of the Chase Lounge by her pool with her robe still on it. Uh, you could walk any place. He was talking to the, the uh, and we don't know, know if it was a policeman or just a security guard or what, but he was talking to them. And they, oh, yeah, go ahead and walk there, you know, no problem. Uh, he chatted with her. It was not the same as it is today, where they cordon everything off, nobody can touch anything, they've got booties on so they don't uh, hurt the evidence and all that kind of thing. It wasn't the same. It was completely different. So I can understand that they didn't know or couldn't know uh, how she died at that point. Now, I do know that her fame was unbelievable for everybody. Uh, June and I were on a dais in uh, Long Beach on the Queen Mary, and they had this that one gentleman that I was talking about, but also Hugh Hefner was there. And, of course, Playboy magazine. And he said that had it not been for that first photo of Marilyn on the first issue of Playboy, there would be no Playboy today. That's how how people were drawn to this woman. She had a charisma. Mm-hmm. She was just unbelievable. Um, and, and it was something that drew people to her. It didn't make any difference whether she was the wiggly girl or the serious girl. There was something that just emanated from that woman. And she didn't know what it was. It was just there. You're born with something like that. It's not something you develop. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. I mean, you know, I I was born 20 years after her death, and I've always been fascinated with her. And I uh, watched uh, some of her uh, movies and a documentary with my husband, and he was just like, wow, she just really had had that something something oh yeah that, oh yeah that, that just drew you in and you just wanted to see more of her and you just were fascinated by by looking at her and and the other thing too is that you were born 20 years after she died right 
Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's the thing. So many books have been written by people who were not even living during her time. Now, I'm not knocking it. I'm not knocking that. Oh, we did the research. Okay. Research is one thing. I wanted to talk to somebody who knew her, who lived at that time, who had the same kind of experiences as her, because June was not an A actress, but a B actress, and, and act, a singer actress. She was a wonderful singer. And I mean, she worked with, you know, on stage with Hugh, uh, she worked on TV with Hugh O'Brien, on stage with Carol Channing. So she knew what that life was all about. So coming from her, and knowing Marilyn firsthand and telling me the stories about the woman, not the, the beautiful sex goddess on the screen, but the real person behind. That's the story that I wanted to tell. That's the reason I got involved in this whole thing. Otherwise, you know, why would I want to do research for someone that I didn't even know or didn't didn't know them? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Sure. But you were just you were just compelled to, to learn about had to, because if I don't, who will? I mean, June just turned 89 in June. Mm. That means she's in her 90th year. God willing, she'll live a lot long, longer life. But if not, those stories, all these stories, all the inside things, all the things about her being murdered in, instead of, you know, the suicide and all the other terrible stories that they told, all the stories about what a wonderful woman she was and, and how Joe was wonderful and how he tried to get her, June, to be dated by one of his his uh, football friends. And, I mean, these are beautiful stories. And the stories she has other other stars in Hollywood, those will all be gone. And I don't want those to be gone. They need to be told before she passes on. And we even have, believe it or not, family recipes of Joe's and Mar- that Joe and Marilyn loved in the back of the book, and also recipes from uh, DiMaggio's restaurant in uh, that that are back there. Because I thought, why not? We're going to put those in there too. Make this a real book that's about family and about love and about uh, d- dedication and about. Uh, loyalty, you know, all these things that today kind of get thrown by the wayside when you see the Kardashians. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, this is a beautiful, beautiful story. Um, what are some real-life stories about Marilyn's private life um, from from sex to sorrow? Well, the sorrow part is that she would come over to June's place and she would say, you know, I have to have sex with some of these old moguls, you know, from the studios. She hated it. She hated it. Now, according to June, now this is June's perception, but she said she didn't like sex. She really didn't. She did it because she needed to do it, but she didn't really like it. I think with Joe, it was different because she really loved him. Uh, So that's one thing. Uh, The other thing is that, you know, you hear all these things about Bobby Kennedy and John F. Kennedy and all that. And according to June, she liked John F. Kennedy, but she didn't like Bobby Kennedy. Hmm. And for what reason, we don't know, but she didn't like him. (laughs) (laughs) And she also was tortured with the fact that people would tell all kinds of stories about her that weren't true and are still doing that, by the way. Uh, you know, you hear these these terrible things that she had sex with multiple partners and she was a druggie and drinking and all that. Well, she didn't do that kind of thing around June. But I can understand that because it, aren't we different people? If you were meeting with your mom and dad or a close friend or a brother or a sister, aren't you going to act a certain way other than when you meet with other people? It's, you're a different person with everybody. It's how yeah. that, you know, situation plays out as to how you're going to act. So 
with her, with June, she all she did tell a lot of the stories. Now, the wonderful stories were that she really loved life. She really did. She loved, but her dream was to be a dramatic actress. That was the, it was kind of the sad and the happy part of her life. She kept trying to do that because, I mean, she wanted desperate. I mean, why would she go to, the, you know, Lee Strasberg and, and take all these acting lessons? She didn't have to do that to be a sex goddess. All she had to do is, you know, be beautiful on screen and wiggle. But she didn't want to. She really wanted to be legitimate. And that followed her all of her life, all of her life. Oh, you know what, Beth? I want to do something special for you, too. Oh, uh, for your people, because I know you're a fan, and I know the people are, are fans if they're listening into this this interview. Uh, if they go to my website, which is the website for my radio show, uh, my radio show is called Pop Off. Believe it or not, Mary Jane Pop Pop Off is the you know the thing I just kind of go for, and I lovingly say I do. But if they go to Pop Off, which is P O P P O S F, two P's and two F's, popoff dot com. I will make sure that they will get a signed copy by both June and myself. They won't be able to get it anyplace else that way. But because of you, and, and I know you're such a fan of Maryland's, I want to offer that to your listeners. Oh, well, thank you so much. Um, I'm sure, I, I, I'm certain that, that they'll take advantage of that, as will I. <laughs> oh, terrific. You'll enjoy it. You really will. And if they have, uh, you know, a, a special dedication or if they want it dedicated to a certain person, let me know, okay? I'll be glad to do that, too. Uh, but, you know, it's wonderful to talk to people like yourself, people who want to know the truth. Uh, it, it's a, I always say it's, it's about the truth and it's about time. Uh, mm-hmm. Too many people have said too much about Marilyn, and it, it breaks June's heart. She can't read anything about Marilyn anymore. She really can't. She says, they all come out with all these terrible things about Marilyn. How can they say that? She was beautiful. She was wonderful. I loved her, you know, as, as a, like a sister. How could they do these things? So anymore, thank God she doesn't. she's not computer savvy. So she doesn't see or read any of that stuff anymore, and I'm glad. I'm glad. I don't want her to. Well, thank you so much for making this interview so dignified. Um, the one thing I wanted to do was honor Marilyn's memory and not, you know, um, you know, I don't make any money off this radio show. You know, I just want want people to know, you know, you can just see it in, in, in Marilyn's eyes that, uh, that she was a beautiful person. Not, I mean, she was extraordinarily beautiful on the outside. I mean, there's no denying that. But on the inside, she's someone I wish I could have known. Oh, you know it. You, you've you got it. I mean, you could feel that kind of situation. And you're a sensitive enough person that you understand that kind, kind of inside beauty that was always there. And believe me, this book honors. It honors Marilyn. It honors Joe. It honors everybody that she talks to about, and including June, because we, we go into her life, too, in the book, which is some really funny stuff, great stuff. Uh, but it gives you a feel of what Hollywood was back then. It's different than it is today. But you've been just absolutely terrific, Beth. I love talking with you. Anytime, <laughs> uh, if you want to talk again, let me know. Okay, that would be awesome. I have really enjoyed talking with you. I uh, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. I know you're very busy, and especially with this month, um, honoring and observing, of course, the uh, the 50th anniversary, unbelievably, of, of Marilyn's passing. Um, uh, I just want to thank you so much for coming on and uh, and speaking with me today and making the offer through your website, which is www dot pop off p o p p o f f dot com right exactly and again 
Anytime you want me to come back, you got my number. Just give me a call or, or email me. I'll be glad to come back again. I would stay longer with you today, but I got to get ready. I also anchor the new news after my talk show. <laughs> oh my goodness, you are a busy lady. Well, thank you so much. I'll I'll let you go. And thank you so much for joining me on my radio show today. Thank you, Beth. Keep up the good work. You're you're a good soul. Thank you. Bye bye, dear. That was Mary Jane Pop. She is the author of Marilyn, Joe, and Me. And be sure to visit her website, as we stated throughout the interview. Uh, she will, uh, uh, you can purchase um, a book and uh, get it signed by both her and uh, June DiMaggio. So thanks again for joining me today, and I look forward to our next session together. Thanks. Bye. <laughs>